Welcome back to the Calling It Puts Podcast With your hosts Brent and Jimmy We are bringing that fire again today Let's go Welcome back to the Calling It Puts Podcast I'm one half of the show Jimmy Brent is on the road right now And we will be back on Friday um, when we have uh, Mr. Silas Guillory in the building, we're actually going to be talking about trading options, stock, uh, more Forex, crypto, um, just entrepreneurship in general. But what I wanted to get on and do today was pretty much update y'all on a big story right now that's going on with a company named Evergrande, right? And I'm, I'm literally pulling this up um, from, you know, BBC News, you know, one of the biggest, uh, you know, news agencies out there, right? And this Evergrande, if you don't, if you never heard of the story, anything like that right now, but Evergrande's kind of like the next, they're, they're comparing it to Lehman Brothers, right? And if you're not familiar with Lehman Brothers, Lehman Brothers is actually the company that kicked off the big recession we had in 2008, right? So um, I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on with Evergrande and why it's such a big deal right now. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. So I'm like I said, I'm pulling this up from the BBC website, just so you know. Um, you know, pretty much right now, global financial markets have been on high alert as a cash-strapped Chinese property giant Evergrande faces several key tests in the coming days, right? So this is important. This is not something that's like three years from happening, two years from happening. No, we're literally days from this company going belly up, right? So um, this company is, you know, the world's most indebted real estate developer, right? So they have the most amount of debt, okay? Now, the developer is set to hit a series of deadlines for bond interest payments. So they're not only, they're not paying even the price of the bond, they're paying just the interest on it, right? And just the interest is totaling tens of millions of dollars, right? And they don't have the funds to pay for it right now. So what does Evergrande even do, right? They were actually founded in 1996 in uh, Southern China. They're a real estate company that currently owns over 1,300 projects in more than 200 plus cities in China. Right. Uh, the broader Evergrande group now encompasses far more than just real estate and development. So they're in different industries as well. But what's important to note is that majority of their dealings are in real estate. They have over 1300 plus projects. And I'm not talking about a single family housing, a duplex, none of that stuff. I'm talking about like office space, multi-story buildings, um, huge apartment complexes, you know, for not like crazy things, you know. So um, the money that these people are pretty much having to pay back right now, they can't even afford to pay back the principal. So they end up just paying the interest on those loans, which is freaking insane, right? So um, they range from wealth management to making electric cars, food and drink manufacturing. Um, but right now they actually, they even own, you know, the country's biggest football team, football in that, in that area of the world is known as soccer to America, right? Um, so, pretty much why Evergrande is in trouble, right? Evergrande expanded aggressively to become one of China's biggest companies by borrowing more than $300 billion, right? So they didn't have this capital to come up and put up on their own, so they borrowed it, right? Last year, Beijing brought in new rules to control the amount owned, the amount owed by big real estate developers, right? So I've been talking with people about this a lot recently. Uh, we'll probably talk about this more on Friday, but I've been telling people a lot. Um, a lot of, I know we're talking about Evergrande, but follow me, a lot of American corporations, uh, Coca-Cola, uh, Apple, 
Microsoft, uh, you name it, Tesla, even Tesla was about to go to China, right? A lot of these companies, Ford, GM, whatever it might be, a lot of these companies, um, they're moving, they moved their manufacturing headquarters and everything like that to China. Why? It's extremely cheap to produce products, right? So if you can lower the cost of manufacturing and charge the same or more for your product, obviously, we all know algebra, you make more money. Here's the problem, right? And, you know, I'm only bringing Trump up because he wanted to bring American factories back and stuff like that. I'm not trying to be political, but I'm just showing um, a way that you can look at this, right? Yes, it is more expensive to manufacture all those products in the United States. Reason being, we have to get a lot of the material shipped overseas to bring it to America. Completely understand. Here's the problem with operating your businesses and, and your manufacturers out of China. China's one of those companies that have the second largest economy in the entire world, right? If I'm not mistaken, they flip-flop with the U.S. seems like every week, right? That's how close they are. Um, they're like a hub for manufacturing, um, exporting, all those things. I mean, literally, you can pick up a notebook and it's going to say made in China, right? I literally got one right here. Well, this one says made in Indonesia, but you know what I mean. So um, here's the thing. China has made it so feasibly accessible for big companies to move over. They were, they were so friendly with taxes, so friendly with charges, all those good things that these companies literally, literally said, man, we just cannot pass it up. It was too good to be true. And it really was. This is how I look at it, right? Now all those companies, these big companies over there, companies we all love, they're in China, right? And guess what China does now? Now they control the amount that's owed to big real estate developers. Now they also have things in place that, you know, they're governing how much energy consumption you can use a year or per month in their country. So guess what? Now they have these big companies out there that are really, really big American staples. Now they can control them because they control the infrastructure, right? And that's the big thing that I'm talking about, like with Apple, Tesla, all of these other companies that we, that we love out here in America. This is why, even though it's cheaper there to do it, now they're in control of your money because you're under their laws, under their rules in their country. So just keep that in mind. So as I, you know, getting back on board, uh, the new measures led Evergrande to offer its properties at major discounts. So it was already expensive to get these, to get these properties. They were borrowing the money, right? And now that China has new rules that can control the amount that you owe, right? They actually had to reduce the prices of their properties in order to get people to buy the properties in order to pay the interest on the bonds. That's insane, right? And they were only doing that to keep the business afloat. Now, it's struggling to meet the interest payments on the debt. This uncertainty has seen Evergrande's share price tumble by around 80% this year. Its bonds have also been downgraded by global credit rating agencies. Right. And I just want to whoever wrote this uh, this article, I want to give them their flowers. I know it's on the BBC. Let me scroll to the bottom. They might have the name of the uh, the, the, the news reporter or, or whatnot, the person that actually wrote this. Um, yes. Reporting by Peter Hoskins and Katie Silver. So Peter Hoskins and Katie Silver with BBC uh, News. That's who actually wrote this stuff. OK, so. Um, why, you know, we talked about kind of why Evergrande's in trouble, how did it all work? Why would the collapse of Evergrande matter to the world? 
right? So several reasons, right? They speak about it here. Firstly, many people bought property from Evergreen even before building work began. So people were like buying things before they were even built, right? So there's people that have spent tons of millions of dollars on property that's supposed to be built, right? They have paid deposits and could potentially lose all of that money if Evergreen goes bust. Obviously, if they don't have the money to pay the, the interest on the bonds, how are they going to pay back the money to the people that, you know, that actually paid that money to them to get properties? It's pretty insane. There, there are also the companies that do business with Evergreen. So it's not just common folks, it's actually other companies. Firms, including construction and design firms and material suppliers are at risk at incurring major losses, which could force them into bankruptcy. So this is literally a domino effect. So many companies are actually bought in and run their entire business based off of these properties that Evergreen is promising that they're going to build, right? These companies have projects and, and contracts with them expecting this money to be there. But now Evergreen will not have the, the you know, the, the work in place for them to actually earn that capital. So what this could actually do is put other companies in jeopardy of going bankrupt, bankrupt as well. So this is just a, a pretty much a domino effect, right? So the third is the potential impact on China's financial system. And this is the big one, right? Because Evergrande has already come out and, and asked and, and, and they're hoping that China will actually bail them out, right? China hasn't really said that they would. So maybe they're waiting on the World Bank to do it, but we'll see. The financial fallout would be far reaching. Evergrande reportedly owes money to around 171 domestic banks and 121 other financial firms, right? This is reported by Economist Intelligence Unit, Maddie Beckett told to BBC. If Evergrande defaults, banks and other lenders may be forced to lend less. This could lead to what is known as a credit crunch when companies struggle to borrow money at affordable rates. So here's the crazy thing about a credit crunch, right? That would be very bad news for the world's second largest economy. Because companies that can't borrow find it difficult to grow and in some cases are unable to continue operating, right? This may also unnerve foreign investors who could see China as a less attractive place to put their money. So the one thing that Evergrande has working for them in this whole situation is that China may, that the, you know, the government of China may step in and help, right? Nine times out of 10, I mean, China already owns them any doggone way. You know, they pretty much do what they want. But they really, you know, if they go and put their money in, we know it's going to be a whole different ballgame, right? So is Evergrande too big to fall, right? Uh, this is from Maddie Beckin again. It said, rather than risk disrupting supply chains and enraging homeowners, we think the government will probably find a way to ensure Evergrande's core business survives. But not all people feel that way, right? In a post in China's chat app and social media platform, WeChat, the influential editor-in-chief, um, I'm not even going to butcher that person's name, uh, said that Evergrande should not rely on government bailout and instead needs to save itself. This also chimes with Beijing's aim to reign in corporate debt, which means that such a high-profile bailout could be seen as setting a bad, bad example. So here's the crazy thing about China. They want their businesses to be in debt so that they always have to pay money to the government. <laughs> like that's just the way they think right that's the way they think which is the craziest thing ever so i just wanted to get on and talk a little bit about that um so just let us know let us know what you feel about that because this could have massive 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 ramifications 
on the market. And one thing I want to, uh, I definitely want to hit on today is what the market's looking like, right? Because right now, it says stocks, uh, stocks fall in fresh sell-off. So they're still selling off, right? The Dow drops 250 more points today, today. And it's, it's 11, it's 1120. And the Dow has already dropped 250 points after dropping like 500 points Monday, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's actually down 314 points, right? Which is freaking insane, right? This, this is insane. Um, now, now, now I'm also seeing that the Dow sinks over 400 points, whopping out Tuesday's rebound. So Tuesday, it rebounded after dropping 500 points on Monday. And now today, it drops 400 more points, 450 points to be exact right? 450 points to be exact. So guys, um, this is the time of the year where there are a lot of sell-offs. People are actually, you know, getting their money together so they could actually pay for capital gains tax, whatever, um, spend it on whatever so they, they could avoid paying taxes, whatever they might be doing with it, right? This is the time of the year where you have the sell-off. Evergrande situation doesn't help. And also the uncertainty in the market doesn't help either because the Dow has been dropping it like it's hot, okay? It's been insane. Right now, one thing I will say is crypto, crypto is up, right? Crypto is up. Um, I saw Mark Cuban actually double down on Doge, which I mean, we all knew he probably would. That's just something that 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 he that he believes in. And we and pretty much everybody, everybody that has Doge, they see it, right? Doge is at 25 cents right now. Um, this week is up 27%, which is pretty awesome. But the big one is Bitcoin, man. Bitcoin's up. Uh, I'm looking at a 6% today. It's at $54,815. As of right now, this week, Bitcoin is up $13,000, just like 31%, almost 32%. So that's pretty awesome for them. And Ethereum, Ethereum right now this week is up 25%, so up $726. So if you take a look at all these things, Ethereum's up 25%, Doge is up 27%, Bitcoin's up like 32%. Um, that's pretty freaking awesome. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we actually take a look at, if I, once it gets me to log in, open up my Coinbase, uh, Cardano today is up, uh, what is it, about 1.24%. But if you look at it, let me give you the last day. Cardano is actually up over the last day. Oh, wow, it's not showing me. It's not showing me at all. That sucks. That really sucks. But it's okay. So Cardano's up. Um, I finally bought some Shiba, Shiba Inu. Uh, I know it's a, a little trash coin or whatever, but at the end of the day, man, um, man, I done made my money back already, <laughs> but I'm just riding it out. I got like 2 million shares of Shiba. I didn't want to throw too much money in it. Um, if it takes another dip, I may throw a couple of more dollars in it, but right now I'm just focused on Cardano. I'm focused on Bitcoin. I'm focused on um, getting some, I'm doing some more Doge. Um, I know XRP got dealt a little blow today. Um, so we got some people out there that's like, you know, some real staunch XRP, some ripple fanatics. And I know they kind of got uh, hit with some bad news today. But at the end of the day, people are still saying um, that XRP's price will skyrocket to $15, right? Will skyrockets $15. Now, before I get off, I do want to take a look at this article on Forbes. The title is by a senior contributor, which is Billy Bamrod, right? Says, forget Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, BNB, and XRP. The price 
of this small cryptocurrency is quietly soaring. We're going to talk about that another day. So, guys, that's it for the day. If you enjoyed this, man, just let us know what you want to get into next. But we will be back on Friday with Mr. Silas. We're going to be talking stocks. We're going to be talking crypto. We're going to be talking um, Forex. We're going to be talking entrepreneurship. Man, we'd love to see you there. Let's keep this thing rolling. I'm so glad that we got everybody back on and back engaged. And let's keep building, man. Hey, see you at the top because the bottom is too crowded. And we out.